Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the House Divided podcast. Jeremy, it was a fun feast week. It's not over, but how are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, got my fill on some uh, Thanksgiving food that I like a lot. I uh, don't know why I don't make it more often during the year, but um, yeah, so it's been a it's been a fun little vacation midweek and uh, ready for uh, for a longer vacation here in December pretty soon, but a uh, pretty good weekend in sports too. Oh yeah, it was a fun week and we still have uh, another few days of really fun sporting events going on, including, by the way, I didn't even put it in the notes, but I just remembered, uh, we're going to get right into everything this week without a big intro, but Michigan soccer does play in the Sweet 16 against Wake Forest on Sunday at 5 o'clock. So just keep following them along. Hopefully they can push on to the Elite Eight. But uh, just wanted to touch on them before we head into the crazy week that was in college basketball. We were going to start with the big games this weekend with Michigan-Ohio State. But, oh, boy, did our basketball teams force our hand. Yeah, yeah, yours in a little bit more of a positive way than mine, but uh, uh, and of course more recent, but pretty good uh, week for Juwan Howard here, huh? Yeah, that was a good start. Um, so we went into the week saying if they got three wins in this tournament field, we were basically discounting it as very unlikely to happen, and they went and did it. And we said if they did it, or at least I said if they did it, I think they should be considered a contender with Ohio State, Michigan State, and Maryland for that number one Big Ten spot. And it wasn't a situation where they did it in a way where you could be go down as fluky because they were up 24 at one point against North Carolina, ended up winning by nine. It was never close. And then they beat Gonzaga by 20. I mean, I'm shocked. I, I, w- I was shocked, and I am already in love with this team, and it's seven games into the year. I don't think I've ever fallen in love with a basketball team so quickly. Yeah, and it's, uh, they're a fun team to watch. It seems like uh, um, you know having maybe a little bit looser reign on them with a coach who's not uh, maybe as strict or as, uh, as quick with sitting people down or things like that. I really uh, losing some of the guys up and they're playing with confidence and they're a fun team to watch. Um, you know, of course, we touched off a uh, debate on MSU Twitter about like, do we like having Michigan be good or bad or what does it mean? Like, personally, I like when Michigan's good and it's the games when we play each other more fun. Uh, but on top of that, if I was an absolute neutral right now, uh, Michigan's probably one of the best stories going on right now with, uh, with a coach that Uh, No one knew what to expect, and he's having fun, and the team is fun. So, uh, good weekend for them. Yeah, I mean, really, like, I feel like I could just gush on about these guys for – I mean, this is recency bias. I watched them beat a top-10 Gonzaga team and lift a trophy four hours ago. So, I I know that I have some recency bias, and this is really the first time I'm able to articulate all this because I haven't been around people who care that much today. And I, I mean, the personalities on the court, you have Xavier, who's just always dead serious all of the time, uh, being a leader. 
But then you have Isaiah Livers, who's always willing to have some fun. And then Franz Wagner is definitely – I thought he was going to be a little bit quieter, and he is because Mo was just something else. But he's got a little bit of swagger of his own. And he it's been fun to watch him play his first three games, even though it was against that gauntlet. Uh, had a little bit of a tough time getting used to the college game when you're starting against uh, three top 35 teams, two of which are in the top 10. But there, there's just so much fun – it, the games were fun, but, man, watching them celebrate and having Juwan do the cabbage patch with all the guys going crazy, I mean, just pure happiness if you're a Michigan fan. And um, to your point about MSU Twitter, like, debating whether it's good or not that Michigan is good. Are you kidding me? Look at the last two years. I mean, two years ago, you have a Michigan team that goes to the national championship game one of the most loaded MSU rosters ever. Sure, Michigan swept those games, but they were both good games. And then you have last year where it's another two good teams. They literally got eliminated by the same team. And sure, MSU wins all three, but I would say they're all classics. How could you not want both oh, yeah. of these teams to be awesome? It, it's so much yeah, and from an MSU, from an MSU perspective, too, like, I don't think the Big Ten preseason looked very good. Um, so if you're wanting to feel like you're prepared for March, you want uh, more competition in your conference. So having Ohio State and Michigan both play really, really well early. Uh, Maryland, I think, has been not as good, maybe like MSU, where they've played under what we would expect. But uh, having Ohio State and Michigan look really good means that MSU is going to get at least a good, decent number of games in conference that will uh get them ready for the tournament so no i yeah i don't get the uh it's, it's the little brother mentality right or or not you know they maybe were hoping well, to have michigan be an easy I mean, opponent this year i mean but, you don't even you, know. you don't even have to attribute the little brother thing to it i don't even think it's a situation where i think it is natural to want to watch your rival fail it's completely natural and that's why we have so much fun doing it both fan bases but you know, and I, I don't even know how I would feel if I was in the same situation where your rival gets rid of John Beeline and you think, oh, maybe we get a little bit of a break from this and we can go back to like the mid-2000s type of way where we just rocked him every single time. And I, I get the want for that, um, but, but I also see why you th- – this has been the best part of the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry has been watching these two basketball teams go back and forth for the past six, seven years. And I'm excited to see it keep going. Um, I think it's time. We'll, we'll move on a little bit to a game-by-game game type thing. Just a couple of things I want to touch on with each, with each round of the tournament. So, obviously, Michigan started on Wednesday, feels like an eternity ago, against Iowa State in a game where they turned the ball over 22 times. John Teske only plays 16 minutes because of foul trouble. And they still get a win over the 35th uh, ranked in Ken Palm, Iowa State Cyclones, in a game where I, I would never consider it a road game because a neutral site is always neutral site. But they, had, they outnumbered the Michigan fans probably 3-1. to one. So it was really good to see some guts from Michigan, especially with uh, – I mean, Austin Davis played seven minutes in that game. That is a significant contribution from a player that we thought we were never going to see this year. Uh, so that was an impressive win in its own right. Did you get to watch any of it? No, that one I know I uh, exclusively was uh, was following along on Twitter for that game. 
Um, I think I saw maybe the uh, the last little bit, because I know it was just before the MSU game on Wednesday as well. Um, I think I saw the last little bit of it uh, while I was at lunch and stuff like that, but uh, didn't have enough to really break it down. Um, yeah. Except for I remember when I was watching Brandon Johns had some good minutes, which was something that uh, obviously encouraged me as I've said before, I'm a huge Brandon Johns supporter and fan. So I uh, like seeing him have some good run there. But yeah, looking at Twitter, I would have uh, uh, not known that Michigan was pretty much in control the whole game because it did sound kind of sloppy. No, it was it was super sloppy, and they looked a little bit out of sorts. One thing while we're on the subject of Brandon Johns, I do want to get this out there. A lot of people thought for Michigan to be competing for the Big Ten or even being a ranked team, Brandon Johns was going to have to make the sophomore leap and be playing 20, 25 minutes a game. And he's not. He's playing about 10 minutes a game. But I do want to credit Brandon Johns. Offensively, he has been near abysmal, not contributing much on the offensive side of things defensively he is a gnat he is if Xavier Simpson was six foot eight like he is just super active hands he dove for a ball today like he he is putting forth a lot of effort where a lot of kids I think would be frustrated being a really high high level recruit not playing much he's taking his role and he is making the most of it so I do want to give a shout out to him because he has been playing very well especially on the defensive end um the big thing about the Iowa State game, this was the uh, David DeJulius game where he put 14 points on six shot equivalents. So, that, I mean, that's super efficient. He went two of three from three-point range, and he, he was able to play really well. He got more runtime in the next game, which we'll get to now, which was against North Carolina because Xavier Simpson was in foul trouble the entire time and eventually did foul out. So DeJulius actually got 23 minutes, but uh, really impressed with him too because he has taken a sophomore step too. After the first game, a lot of people thought he wasn't going to be able to. He didn't score against Appalachian State, and ever since he's had at least nine points in every single game. Uh, so really impressed with DeJulius and just really impressed with the effort from Michigan in that one where if you would have told me before the tournament that – Xavier Simpson was going to play a total of 17 minutes against North Carolina because of foul trouble, and they would still kind of run him off the court. I would have told you you're insane. But this one is the Eli Brooks game because he gets 24 points, completely carried the offense through a stretch where it looked like Cole Anthony was going to bring UNC back. So, I mean, you can pretty much attribute each win there was one guy and the fact that all three games had a different guy because in the third one, it was either Teske or livers. You could even pick uh, just a, such an impressive week for Michigan. Yeah. I was going to say today was the, uh, was the livers game too. And, yes, it was. He, uh, he got the you know, Ken Palm MVP honors. <laughs> yeah. He was looking great. Uh, just a fun, fun, uh, fun tournament for them to come home uh, with some real momentum. Uh, still can't believe they started the tournament, I guess, outside the top 25, but that will no longer be a problem. I think they uh, no. they make a pretty sizable jump into the top 25, especially with, um, you know, the top of the rankings all having some struggles. So uh, if you can be an undefeated team at this point with those three wins in three days, you, you're you going to skyrocket up that, uh, you know, not just get ranked, which you might be pretty highly ranked too. So 
uh, set up for a good good week uh, coming home and playing Louisville. Can yeah, a fun, so, uh, fun so that's one thing I wanted too. to talk about, actually, is what the hell do you do with Michigan? You had them unranked, but they just went and won three games in three days against all top 35 teams, with two of them being in the top 10. I mean, I'm not saying they should be number one. I, I just want to preface this with, I don't want anybody taking this out of context and saying that I think Michigan should be number one in the rankings come Monday or Sunday or whenever they come out. But who in the country? I, mean, I, would, I would say they belong in the top 10 without a doubt. I, um, I agree. The tweet that I sent out was top 10, but uh, I, I wouldn't even be mad if it was top five. But I, don't I, think, I think top 10 is appropriate. Happen. I wouldn't go top five quite yet. I would wait and see how they do against Louisville on the road on Tuesday. But I, I genuinely don't know who in the country has a better resume than Michigan after this week. And I know that rankings yeah. aren't all resume-based because you have to factor in other stuff. But I don't see a team. No, there's not one out there. Not yeah. at this point in the season, no. So, so yeah, it, very encouraging. Michigan went into this week ranked 25th in Ken Palm. They're up to 12th. Um, really big week. Uh, less big week in Hawaii um, for Michigan State. Obviously, the big thing with these preseason turn not preseason, but early season non-conference tournaments, is you have to get the first win to at least give yourself the chance to play against good teams throughout the week. And that's what MSU failed to do. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, that game against Virginia Tech kind of felt, for me, the sloppy version of, like, the Seton Hall game. Um, no one from Virginia Tech was really going off the way that Miles Powell was, but there's one of those where it was close. MSU wasn't really – no one ever until late in the game had – lead by more than four points um felt like msu was gonna pull it out but it'd be an ugly win and they just never never made the plays they kind of looked like they were uh you know in maui for the fun but not (laughs) prepared to play on day one um and they they got what they deserved in that that they got a loss uh to a you know a team like a virginia tech that uh for sure not expected to be an NCAA tournament team. So um, not a good game. Uh, I think hopefully it woke Tom Mizzo up early in the season that uh, we can't fit Cassius Winston with the two two foul auto bench because uh, it's just too much of a drop off um, to do that. And I don't think he's going to foul out in most games, even if he starts off with two anyway. So uh, that could be a good lesson from the coaching staff. And then uh, from an MSU perspective, I think, even after the two other games, we just come out of it. Uh, biggest question mark is Xavier Tillman getting comfortable in his new role. Uh, and that's going to be maybe where the ceiling on the season kind of lies is how long it takes for him to, uh, to get comfortable. That's the biggest thing for me. It's Xavier Tillman, I think last year, and you can tell me if I'm wrong to say this, but he was the difference maker between Michigan State being a pretty good team who makes a Sweet 16 or Elite 8 to going down that final stretch where you beat Michigan three times, win two trophies, and then go to the Final Four. Uh, Because, I mean, with Nick Ward, they just didn't have the same look. I wasn't afraid of Michigan State uh, with Nick Ward playing 25, 30 minutes a game. Um, 
And, and so to see him struggle earlier this early this season has been quite surprising to me. Yeah, I'm looking at the box score for this Virginia Tech game, and yeah, you can definitely tell the auto bench completely threw Cassius off. Only played 25 minutes, ended up with seven points on one of eight or two of eight shooting um, from the field. That is so. I I am very much a proponent of death to the auto bench but especially on a team where you don't really have – I mean, Rocket Watts has been pretty good for a freshman, but I don't think you have a clear number two point guard where you feel super comfortable sitting him for more than 10 minutes a game. No, no, yeah, you definitely need him playing, you know, at least 30 to 35 minutes every night uh, against good competition, you know, um, anything in the top, you know, power six conferences. Um so yeah, you you need him on the on the court. Uh, but even Izzo mentioned after the game that maybe he needs to, at least in the case of Cassius Winston, uh, trust him that he's not going to fall out and and can't fit in for that long. Uh, not only just because the team struggles with him on the court, but maybe that's not good for Cassius to get into the fold again when he's sitting for 13 minutes in the first half. So uh, I think I think that's about what he said. You know, he said the majority of the first half it felt like so. Um, yeah, I think, uh, if anything, you just, you, you go into a term like Maui or Atlantis hoping to win and, and you would definitely get super, excuse me, super excited if you do. Um, but I think respect is important too. Uh, it doesn't really change too much of your outlook on the season if you do win it. No, uh, especially from an MSU perspective. Uh, they weren't going in hoping to, to jump up and get noticed more. Uh, so if anything, you just kind of take the learning experience and, uh, use it to, to kind of make some decisions here in the early season. No, and, and I agree completely. The actual results of this weekend will not matter at the end of the season. Um, and it is unfortunate. I genuinely think the biggest part of losing that game to Virginia Tech was the fact that you lose out on a potential matchup with Dayton and, than Kansas so I mean yeah and, and even that like it it is important for seeding if the Big Ten isn't great which by the way Big Ten had a pretty good week um so it might be pretty good we'll know more next week with the ACC Big Ten challenge but I think it's more for the fans honestly it's just kind of a bummer you go from a potential lineup of Virginia Tech Dayton and Kansas to Virginia Tech Georgia and UCLA um, and obviously it doesn't help when Virginia Tech has the two performances that they did after they beat you guys. So that's that's frustrating. Do we want to move on to the Georgia game then? Yeah, sure. I think uh, so Georgia game, uh, I'll be honest, I only caught the first half and then so lucky you the second half. So so I did not see uh, the um, I blanked down the kid's name, but Anthony uh, Edwards play. Yeah, he went on unreal. So, from your perspective, was it something where uh, he's just making contested shots and just right. kind of going off, or was it – MSU was playing good defense. Like, it was, yeah. Anthony it Edwards, happens, this has happened twice now to y'all. Like, <laughs> he yeah. could yeah, not miss. <laughs> he could not miss. Anthony Edwards, after an abysmal first game in the tournament and then an abysmal first half, He's being uh, kind of highlighted as a guy who's going to go top five in the next NBA draft. 
and has everybody who's been watching the Maui Invitational scratch in their head, then decides to take his frustrations out on y'all. Oh, my God. That was something where you just got to kind of throw your hands up and be like, what the hell? I don't even – I mean, Michigan State won the game. Let's not treat it like they didn't. They built up enough of a lead in the first half where it didn't even matter. It got down to, like, four at one point, but it didn't matter. Right. But, man. But on the positive, they also put up 52 points and a half. So – yeah, which they struggled for most of the whole Virginia Tech game to get to. So, so fifty-two points and a half, I'll take that. Um, not too bad. <laughs> yeah, but I, I am encouraged. So in the first half, I'm like, Tom Crean isn't even running anything, and Edwards isn't even doing anything. What is going on? I thought this Georgia team was supposed to be decent. And after the second half, I'm like, man, if Georgia plays again on national TV, I better catch the game. So I, I want to see Anthony Edwards before he has to compete against NBA defenders because it's pretty fun watching him play against college kids. For sure. Yeah, that should be a fun, uh, you know, outside of Kentucky, it should be a fun thing to watch. And DC, outside of Kentucky and Tennessee, is just watching Anthony Edwards. So. Oh, man, um, I'm yeah, super totally. excited to watch him play Kentucky. Are you kidding me? That uh, – the duel between him and uh, who is the kid that tore y'all up? Uh, oh, where is he? Oh, Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, watching Anthony Edwards and Tyrese Maxey go head to head sounds fun as hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And I would definitely, uh, I think I'd give the edge to Anthony Edwards in a one on one battle there. But um, yeah, and then the UCLA game was kind of – the first half was uh, pretty similar to maybe the Virginia Tech game with uh, being pretty ugly, lots of turnovers. Uh, Xavier Tillman really struggling with that. And then second half, Gabe uh, Brown makes a couple of threes on back-to-back possessions and it kind of just pulled away. Uh, Xavier got himself into double digits. Um, you know, scoring is not the issue for him right now. It's the turnovers and just kind of knowing his place uh, – only one, offense, but only one against UCLA. Yeah, so he uh, he seemed more comfortable, uh, which I mean that's good, right? Three games in three days, you should be uh, getting a little bit more comfortable with where you're at um, and kind of how the offense is going to flow. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, but for for that game, it was cool to I think it was nice to have guys like Gabe Brown step up, um, Julius Randall. I'm sorry. Julius Marble, not Randall. Uh, Julius <laughs> Marble got a, got some run, and he continues to probably um, definitely, you know, there was talk of him redshirting preseason, and now he's, you know, he's getting pretty good minutes every game, you know, five to ten minutes at least. So uh, he was fun to have uh, go against UCLA, and uh, they weren't a fun team to play against. It was ugly, but I guess when you're on your third game in three days and it's just a consolation game, you're just – Happy to avoid uh, any ugly loss there. So, yeah, I just want to highlight something. I'm looking at Michigan State's Ken Palm page, and while Kyle Arns has a higher percentage of minutes than Foster Lawyer, he has a lower usage rate, which kind of is shocking to me. He's in a completely different tier. Um, have they been using Lawyer a lot? When he, I mean, obviously he's a point guard, so he has to have some usage, but. I guess it's more of Kyle Lawrence. Has he not been the guy who we thought he was going to be and really contributing? Um, no, I think the thing with Arns right now is that most of the lineups when he's been out there, uh, he's not called on as much in like that corner three 
uh, type of mode like he was previously. Um, to be honest, Kyle Arns right now is on the Matt McQuaid look, uh, where his most important thing is that he's providing excellent defense. Uh, and then if they leave him open, he can take the shot. Uh, but he has been out there a lot of times in lineups where he's probably option four or five, uh, which, yeah, Foster is not going to be option one when he's out there. But still, as the point guard when he's out there, he's probably higher up than like four or five. Yeah, um, that's something where I was, so yeah. I was I was just about to call you out and say McQuaid's usage was probably higher than Arnes, but um, only last year he only was at 14.4%. That's only 2.8 off of Arnes. He was just super efficient. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing. Was McQuaid was always like, you know, it, when he got his usage – he, I mean, he made you think that he should get more, but a lot of times it was just that, you know, he was just a really good part of sets when they when they ran sets that found McQuaid, he was going to make them pay, but they weren't going to run a lot of the offense through him consistently. So uh, that's kind of where Arns is at right now. I would say he's like the McQuaid, maybe not quite as dialed in uh, from three-point range, but he also probably gets to the basket better than Matt did too. So, um, yeah, I think he's, and, and we'll also say in this small sample size, he hasn't been playing much uh, compared to maybe what he will down the stretch. I think they're still being careful with him coming back and having all the injury problems that he's had uh, to lean on guys like, you know, a Gabe Brown or um, Aaron Henry more than going to maybe Arms in that role. Gabe Brown has been awesome. Man, I yeah, wish he was at Michigan. What a fun player. He he shoots well. He I mean, obviously his personality, we could see it last year with just him on the bench. But he shoots really well, but he's got that athleticism where he's about murdered four guys this year already. I mean Oh, uh, you almost called a body in Hawaii, man. Yeah. It, what an excellent fun player Gabe Brown is. Super excited about him. I'm excited about him, and he plays for the team I hate most in college basketball. Well, second yeah, most. I, I think basketball teams bring us the most most together. That that has to be the case because, uh, yeah, it's uh, I think it's the mutual admiration society in basketball. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Uh, but yeah, so do you have anything else on Michigan State before we get into some other teams from uh, Maui and the Bahamas? Because I. I did promise Eric we would have some Dayton Flyers talk, so I want to kind of touch on some other fun storylines from both tournaments. No, no, I think that covers probably where we're at with MSU. Obviously, you look ahead to a big matchup with Duke coming up uh, for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, yes, sir. Should be interesting to see how they uh, how they come together for that. Um, you know, at home, Duke obviously will not overlook it after a loss to Stephen F. Austin, so uh, it could be a pretty interesting game to hopefully uh, alleviate some concerns for people yes. uh, before you go into the, the easier parts of the schedule here. Yes. So we are unsure of how our plans are going to unfold for Sunday. And we don't know if we're going to have a pod before those basketball games. So sorry if we don't get an official preview to you, but if you're not glued to a TV for work or school reasons, or anything other than worker school reasons on Tuesday night, you're doing it wrong because Michigan looks like one of the top 10 teams in the country. They're traveling to soon to be number one Louisville 
at 7.30 on ESPN, and that game is immediately followed by Duke coming into the Breslin Center to take on Michigan State. I have class from 7 to 9.45 that night. It is not something I can skip because I have a big presentation, so I will be DVRing both games and watching them after I get out. Um, there you go. Yeah. So let, let's move on to some other storylines. I want to lead with Dayton because if anybody here has an athletic script subscription, and by the way, if you don't, I'll give them a free ad, even though I yelled at Jeremy for no free ads this week on Twitter. Um, 50% off. It's a great deal. If you do 50% off for the athletic, I think it's valid through Monday. Brendan Quinn put out an unbelievable piece on the Dayton Flyers this year after the awful events that happened this summer in the town of Dayton and how this team looks. And it does, it matches up like a storybook. I mean, I love, it's like one of the reasons I love sports is these stories. This Dayton yeah, and, is so much fun. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you don't even need the human interest story to find a lot of fun reasons to cheer on Dayton, and then you you add in the human interest, and you're just like, yeah, this is uh, this makes having a guy like, you know, having a guy like Obi Tobin who comes from Brooklyn and ends up at Dayton, Ohio, like, you know, and and becomes a a guy who as a sophomore is like probably shooting up draft boards right now um and they're they play in a pretty fun conference like i'd say uh the a10 kind of reminds me of like the american of football yeah uh, where you can watch the a10 and sure there may only be a couple tournament teams in there like you know like when flu had rick majerus or uh dayton's had some good teams in the past as well um but they're just a fun conference uh i've just Outside of even Dayton, I think they're just a fun, fun group to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they had plenty to watch with Dayton this season. And yeah, if you uh, if you came out of the the Maui Invitational liking Obi Tobin and then got a chance to read Brendan's story, uh, it's going to be hard not to to follow the results of Dayton games for sure the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean it, it's unbelievable, and even to add more interest for Michigan fans, Ibby Watson, you might remember him, had a quiet freshman year at Michigan and sophomore I believe and then transferred out to Dayton actually he's ripped now like he wasn't a small guy when he was at Michigan but man dude's jacked now and he's still hitting threes and he's been fun to watch but yeah Obi Obi Toppin is just unbelievable to watch they're such a fun team and really looking forward to them to the point where Kansas beating Dayton in overtime sounds like it should be like, oh, Dayton almost pulled off an upset. I am more impressed with Kansas now than I was before that. I was too. That yeah, I was impressed with Kansas closing that one out because I uh, I felt like that was going to be a, a game where Dayton just had more more on the line. Uh, you know, as they looked down uh, building the tournament resume, trying to improve seeding and uh, having wins you know, matter come that time of year, uh, I thought it was going to end up being Dayton that pulled it out and get on Kansas to stick with it, go to overtime, and uh, and put it away. Yeah. I mean, that that battle between Toppin and um, what's the kid's name? Oh, Azabuki, the, the kid out of Kansas, their, their seven-foot senior, who for some reason I had never heard of 
before this week. He was unbelievable that night. Just a great game. Uh, feel very bad for those who didn't get to watch it because it felt like a it felt like a March game, and it was being played in November in Maui, and it really just a cool environment. That's why I love the Maui Invitational. Um, to head back to Atlantis, the only team that Michigan didn't play that I think is really worth covering. Well, there's two teams, but one of them is Seton Hall, and we already covered them extensively when Michigan State played them. Is Oregon? That team has no quit in them. They were down big to Seton Hall in the first game and came back to win it. They were down by 17 to Gonzaga. They didn't win it, but they forced overtime. And then uh, they played another close game with North Carolina. It's going to be a real interesting game when they come to Chrysler in a couple weeks. Yeah, that's uh, that's got to be the after the only thing I can say about Oregon. Uh, is after seeing UCLA, I can say that Oregon probably is the only team to watch in the Pac-12. If that's what it's going to look like. So apparently, Washington has uh, some good has some good talent, but uh, yeah, probably. I mean, let me see if I can even find Washington's Ken Palm page. Uh, they're down. Jesus Christ! Stalling, stalling, stalling. Fifty-one. So yeah, I don't know why they're getting hyped up on broadcast because. They're 51 in Ken Palm. Uh, Jaden McDaniels and Isaiah Stewart, both freshmen with really high usage. So apparently they're worth watching. But yeah, I feel like Oregon. Yeah, Isaiah Stewart, watching... What? I was saying Isaiah Stewart was a guy that I know MSU fans know a lot about. We were uh, recruiting him for a long time and in on him. So um, but yeah, they're going to be freshmen. Uh, they're going to lean on their freshmen for sure. And Oregon is a more upperclassman led team. I think they're going to run away with the Pac-12. But uh, I'm really interested to see how that game at Chrysler unfolds because they are resilient. They're talented. And uh, Peyton Pritchard, uh, I didn't know who he was going into the tournament, and that's probably bad on me. Uh, But he really impressed me. People were comparing him to Cassius Winston, which I thought was ridiculous. I don't think he's nearly as talented, but still. Uh, Oregon, that'll be a fun matchup to watch. Uh, do we have any more basketball thoughts before we move on to a hockey preview? No, I think that all covers basketball. I know it's going to be another good week, though. Uh, you know, it's, it was a fun feast week. Uh, maybe it didn't go the way that MSU fans wanted, but I think uh, our two teams going 5-1 is pretty uh, – pretty exciting for uh looking ahead as football ends into what you know we're gonna have the rest of the year yes it is and uh for those wondering about the date um looking it up right now it's going to be january 5th that's what i thought it was i just wanted to make sure january 5th very early in the big Ten. the Real Big Ten season. Michigan takes that trip to Chrysler. I am significantly more intrigued than I was four days ago. As you should be. As you should be. Your uh, your team's exciting, and they're uh, they're picking up the new coach quickly. I mean, yeah, not even not even just because I'm a Michigan fan. I think you should be more intrigued too. I mean, this was something where I think a lot of people were going into the year thinking, oh. Uh, they'll probably get run off the floor at Breslin, but then it should be maybe it'll be a close game at Chrysler. I think it's going to be a really good battle both games, and I hope we get another year where they play three times. Totally. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I think that there's a very good chance of that. Yep. All right. To the hockey. I'll let you take the lead because we're starting with Michigan State at Ohio State. Talk about your ranked Michigan State Spartans. About that, number 20 in the country. Uh, yeah, I think this weekend, uh, biggest thing for them is uh, needing to ride John Nutherman because I think uh, you're not going to score a lot of goals against Ohio State. Tommy Napier is one of the better goalies in the country, uh, sitting at a 96 save percentage and two one three goals against. So, you know, you're lucky to get three goals past him. Um, so, uh, the main thing for the Spartans this weekend is going to be to continue to play better on defense, continue to uh, ride how they performed against Notre Dame last weekend, uh, where they held Notre Dame to just three goals on the weekend, and all of them uh, with a man advantage. So that's something that they have to bring on this weekend. Um, I think it'll be a nice early test. They've had kind of some uh, some big weekends here in a row where you split with Penn State, you sweep Michigan, and you split with Notre Dame. Uh, but the season doesn't let up. You end up having to go to add Ohio State, who's 11th in the country, and you're feeling pretty good. You're ranked 20th. There's a lot of good vibes around the program. Uh, it'll be good to kind of test them, like going down there and you get swept. That's just going to throw all the momentum right back down. So uh, showing that you can live up to some expectations is going to be uh, something to watch this weekend and how they perform. I can't wait for this series. Um because, and I know I'm probably, I, I think one of the games is actually on TV, so I'm definitely going to yeah. try and catch it, because this is a game where it's not quite like Notre Dame versus Clarkson, where it's two defensive teams playing the same style against each other. Uh, Michigan State and Ohio State are both defensive, both good teams, but it's not that shutdown style where you're just making it super boring to watch and parking the bus to take a turn from the soccer world. Uh, they're just really good goaltending. Going to make you get your shots in tough places. Um, I think it's going to be a very physical game. I'm really excited, or serious, I suppose. But uh, I'm really excited to watch it unfold. Really excited to see MSU on the road here, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they uh, they did get that split at Penn State and, and pick up the win at Michigan, so they've had some – some good, decent uh, road wins in the season. Yes, which is good I didn't get to watch most of their games on the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Um, yeah, so they're on, I think the Sunday game is 2.30 in the afternoon, uh, and that's the one that's on TV. Uh, obviously, with Saturday with football going on, they're still not quite on TV there. But, yeah, the Sunday afternoon game is going to be on uh, against uh, Ohio State. And, Hey, you know, no lions. People have uh, have a little bit more free time in the afternoon. They should definitely check it out. Yeah. By the way, since we're on the lions, when you are taunting lions fans after a Bears win over them in this season, yeah, buddy, buddy, are you tweeting through it because you know a loss is a better result, right? You're not making the playoffs. Neither hey, are we. Listen here, we're playing to lose, listen baby. Here. I have to live. It's young. I have to live with these lions fans. I have to live with, um, <laughs> you know, all their talk about Trubisky. I love that you talked about Trubisky. He just went on a 90-yard drive to beat you guys. Yeah, and he was uh, the second-best number 10 quarterback in the game. David Blau played better. 
<laughs> Listen, man, the thing about it is I can always just come back and say, like, that's okay. You guys are losing for a draft pick. You're still the Lions making that draft pick. Yeah, I so, know. I know. Just let me be happy. So are we counting on it being a good idea that you, you take that draft pick? Or... Oh, God. I shouldn't have even brought this up. Now you're making me want to talk about Michigan hockey. <laughs> there we go. That's the, that's the way we did it. We got you back on uh, – it's a pretty big weekend. You guys could really kind of pull out of a tailspin here because you're, you're playing the other bad team. This this could be a turnaround, and I think it might be because Michigan is bad and Wisconsin is bad, but only one of those teams has a coach that knows how to coach organized hockey. So, you know, very fair. I do want to preface this preview with the fact that my only three notes for in our uh, show notes was – this is the Big Ten toilet bowl, which is true. It is. Two, probably won't be fun. Yeah, that's true as well. And the third one was go watch MSU because it'll be more fun. Um, but in all seriousness, if you have Big Ten Plus and you want to watch this, what you're going to look out for is do not give Wisconsin a power play because that is the only thing I trust to score. I don't even know their statistics on it. I just know who they have to play the power play. Um, yeah, you don't need Keon Miller and Cole Caulfield getting more space. Yeah. It, That's yeah. not needed. Yeah, with Alex Turcott being the one delivering them the puck. No, you do not. Um, so this is going to be a weekend where I think if you take a few penalties, you probably have a good chance even at a sweep. The only problem is that it's at the troll center. So I am not going to put my faith in any refereeing. So we will, we will see how it goes Uh, to set a goal for the hockey team. I think you probably need all six to even feel decent about sneaking up in the big 10 standings to possibly get the last home seed, Um, which is probably out of the realm of where we should have our goals at, but if you still have high hopes and think that this can be turned around because it's early in the season, you need six points this weekend. Um, the only easier weekend you get after this is playing Wisconsin at home. So you, you need to get your points here. Uh, did, did we yeah, set up a goal sure. for the Ohio State series? Uh, I think for MSU, it's just, I think to be honest, I'd be okay with just not getting swept. You know, whether it's a couple points due to going to overtime games or uh, you do a, a regular split, um, you know, getting shut out in points would be, you know, what I'd be trying to avoid. Uh, being that Notre Dame and Penn State uh, have two games in hand on everyone, uh, in, you know, at least everyone outside of Minnesota who's also played eight. MSU has the chance this weekend if they can get some points to really put themselves uh, in a really good position, uh, again, early in the season. Uh, with six points on the line every weekend, it's very quick to to move up or down. But they mm-hmm. could really get themselves in solid footing, and technically, uh, a sweep puts them in first place. So that's the goal. But uh, mainly, I would just like to see them get at least you know two to three points, uh, come home, you know, not shut out again. As they've gotten points every weekend in the conference, so just keep that streak going. What's the point total? Where you, uh, you go ahead. I was just saying, for Michigan, my thing is that if you guys are going to find your offense, this is the weekend. Yes. Um, you guys are the only team that has not reached double digits and goals scored in the league play yet. Oh, Jesus. Uh, but 
Wisconsin has given up 22 goals in just six games in the league. So, uh, and then 49 on the season in 14 games. So they are, they're a sieve. Um, so you, uh, you come in this weekend, hopefully after, uh, out of conference weekend, last weekend, uh, and find your offense. Cause this is, this is the weekend that you can do it. Um, and get some confidence going into your, uh, to your future here. Cause, if you come home with some low scoring output against Wisconsin, that's going to be very concerning. Yes, it will be. Um, I just want to tell you, quit protecting your emotions. This Michigan State team is for real. Quit, n- knock it off with that. <laughs> you, you will, you no, should, you should be unhappy if you guys get one point. I know you're scarred from the last. Oh yeah, one ten be, years. One would be bad. I'd like uh, to get at least one point each game. Um, if we lose in overtime twice or whatever, that. Whatever you can't overtime is a kind of crapshoot. I I know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, let's get at least let's get at least two to three points. Uh, game zero would be very disappointing and kind of slow down all the uh, momentum they've got going. Yeah, and, and I'm really excited to see this. Honestly, outside of uh, the the brothers, which I am blanking on the name right now. The Krieger brothers. The Kree- outside of the Krieger brothers, you guys are way more likable than Ohio State. And I know you're you're mm-hmm. our bigger rival in hockey, but I am for sure rooting for Michigan State this weekend. Um, well, yeah, because you know the Ohio State fans that go to the game Saturday are only going to want to talk about the football game on the screen. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, if it goes their way. Why uh, do we have go their to way, I just assume they skip. Why do you even bring <laughs> that up? We're not there yet, okay? Because I like to make fun of Ohio State and tell you that they will go to the hockey game not knowing that they're playing the wrong Michigan team to make fun of that game. <laughs> You're right. Because that <laughs> um, Okay, so it's going to be a big weekend for hockey. Uh, Michigan, because they're trying not to finish seventh in this league. Uh, Michigan State, because they're trying to show that they are for real and competing for this thing. Um, now on to the football. We will uh, save our probably the biggest game for last. However, Michigan State is fighting for bowl eligibility against an actual trash heap. So, Jeremy, give me your preview. Oh, man, they are so bad. Um, you know, I was actually kind of nervous about the game because all I knew about Maryland was they had that game where they blew Syracuse out. And then I read, uh, like, I think Graham Couch or someone from LSJ had a top five, like, things about the game. And I didn't realize, but, man, Maryland – is just a trash fire. Uh, they average over 500 yards against, which, yes, I know the MSU offense is <laughs> probably not getting to 500, but uh, there's a decent shot. I think he only needs like 140 yards. There's a decent shot that Elijah Collins gets to the 1,000-yard mark uh, because of the Maryland game because they should run for 200 to 300 yards. Um, with how – with how the weather is going to be and how bad Maryland is. And I just think Maryland has no reason to want to be there tomorrow. They're not fighting for bowl eligibility. This is just all that's between them and vacation. So yeah. I don't think they're going to be uh, putting up a lot of fight. Um, let's get the game over with, run the ball, run the clock. <laughs> the score line may not be as spread as it should be just because it's going to be a lot of running. Um, but yeah, I, I may regret this later, but my concern level is pretty, pretty low about actually losing tomorrow. It may be frustrating that we don't beat them by more, uh, but I think the concern of actually losing 
is not any much more than playing Rutgers. Not that's, yet. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. They are Rutgers in disguise. Remember when they were 2-0 and with a blowout win over Syracuse and we thought that they might compete for like third in the Big Ten East? That's we hilarious. We was good at the time too. And then we no, we did. Syracuse is trash. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, this Maryland team is awful. And I, I think Michigan's – I think this game's going to be over in the second quarter. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I mean, like I said, if anything, it could feel like the Rutgers game where it's 10 nothing just before the half. It, it feels by the score line you could say, hey, remember the Illinois game? Remember, it's, you know, it's only 10 points. Like, if you throw a pick six here, they're right back in it. But, like, it's going to be one of those where it's 10 nothing, but it might as well feel like 40 nothing because you're just still not afraid that Maryland's going to put together two drives. So, um, if Michigan State can avoid shooting themselves in the foot uh, and coming out with uh, with plenty to play for as far as getting to a bowl game, which, yes, it will not be a super important bowl game, but I think it's still, if you're a player on the team, there has to be pride in, you know, not being a losing record. Yeah. Um, I think they'll show that, and I think they, uh, unlike the fans, players take this much more personally um, and have a lot more on the line. Uh, fans, we can sit here and say that there's nothing to play for, but they they care a little bit more than us, which is probably the way it yeah. should be. So it's their lives. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. So I think uh, I think they they put. I think you're right. I think by halftime, it uh, it feels pretty much over. Yeah, I mean, this Maryland team is bad, and Michigan State has had the unfortunate of I think they are right smack dab in the middle of mediocrity where they. They play a loaded division, and then you have to play a crossover game against Wisconsin, and that leads to a bunch of blowout losses. But I still think they are better. They're way better than Maryland. I mean, the only two comparable games they've had were when you play Illinois, who's also around a 6-6, six 7-5 and six, seven and five team, and you play Arizona State, who's in that same boat. And I know – that you lose both of them and it feels shitty, but like both of those games were probably one call away from being victories. With Arizona State, you had the on the missed field goal, you had a they should have been penalized for jumping over the line, and then against Illinois, that DPI call at the end was soft. So I mean, you're a yeah, couple calls away. Play, so. Yeah, you're a yeah. couple calls away from being eight and four. And not yep. to make excuses for Michigan State, because I would never. But I really don't think this is a game. I think it makes it really easy to guess against the spread. What's going to happen? Um, I agree. I yeah. agree. You have anything else for this game? No. No, I think that about covers like I said. I think Fido Elijah Cowan, um, you know, Kenny Wilkins probably had his best game of the year. I know he has Rutgers, but uh, he should also have a, a good senior day. Um, hopefully it's low stress and we just kind of get to move on to, uh, you know, the off season of getting to a bowl game that's an earlier bowl game. So we can start talking about coaching changes. So, um, <laughs> maybe not at the top, but on the staff in general. So that'll be, uh, uh, that's the goal for tomorrow, but you have a little bit more of a nerve wracking game than I do tomorrow. Why you have talked to play? Uh, they play, and someone on this podcast has talked themselves into some positivity. <laughs> you caught me. Um, yeah, 
So, for those unaware, I will be in attendance in uh, the big house tomorrow. It's going to be. Is this your first time going to uh, the Ohio State game in attendance, or have you been to that before? Third, actually. So, there you go. Okay. 20, I have. This will be the third home game in a row against Ohio State that I've seen. Um, in 2015, as a senior in high school, uh, I'll make everybody laugh for a second. As a senior in high school, I was gifted two, two tickets by my grandpa who had a friend that was selling them for super cheap because he couldn't find anybody that wanted to play the appropriate price. Um, I left them at home. So the tickets. So I showed up and like two hours early with my younger brother and started walking to the stadium and I started looking for my tickets and they weren't there. So I had to call my dad, my amazing father who drove down an, Ann Ar- an hour to Ann Arbor to give me the tickets. And we made it in with nine minutes left in the first quarter. So That's awesome. Yeah, it, it was. It was. Um, unfortunately, they lost 42-13, to 13, and I was right next to the Ohio State section where they hung the welcome home coach banner. But still – uh, so I, I consider myself lucky to ever be in the building for this rivalry because it is one of the most revered rivalries in college sports. Um, and then in 2017, I was there because I get student tickets sometimes uh, for being a student at the University of Michigan Flint. And I was there for the John O'Corn game. Um, so, yeah, this will be my third time. And I'm super excited, even though I shouldn't be. Well, I think uh, this has to be the one that you actually feel the most competitive about, though. Um, Even with the machine that Ohio State is, I can't remember a time where it felt like Michigan was just peaking right before the Ohio State game. I know last year you guys were favored and all that, but I think a lot of it, to me, it felt more like it said a lot more about Ohio State, like the Urban Meyer situation, and then looking kind of out of sorts all season than it did that Michigan was really peaking right before. It, um, Jeremy, I mean, last year, people think it was like something where they were heading in even. Ohio State allowed over 50 points to Maryland the week before. Michigan was favored. Yeah. And then they just blew it because Urban Meyer fucking refuses to lose to Michigan. Um, yep. So good news, Urban Meyer isn't there anymore. Um, yeah. Bad news. I mean, he's going to be in the city. Oh, my God. So I'm getting down there pretty early. Bringing a tomato to throw. If I say. <laughs> I just say, keep an eye on the Twitter account tomorrow. I hope uh, we have some videos of uh, you just booing him heartily. <laughs> yeah. No, but in all seriousness, I have gotten my hopes up. And it's all because of some stupid coincidences. No, not really, actually, because Michigan's – if I'm going to talk real football for a couple of minutes, Michigan's offense hasn't looked this good since Denard Robinson was the quarterback. That is fact. Ohio State's defense may be number one in the country, but I think this style of offense was designed specifically to be able to get yardage and get some scores on a defense like this. Point number two. Don Brown has a good track record when he's trying to get revenge. 
that may be a one game sample size, but I don't want to hear it, man. Uh, <laughs> I just say I think he's really deserved revenge against these guys since he's been in Michigan. This may be the one, yeah, the I one mean, thing he hasn't gotten no, revenge yet. But that doesn't mean it's not the only happen, other but. revenge game was when he got blown out in Happy Valley in 2017 and came out in 2018 and just completely eviscerated the Penn State offense. Um, I do not expect that on Saturday, but just tomorrow, which gets me even more nervous. But um, I, I genuinely do think he has been thinking about this game plan for a long time, and I genuinely do think that – uh, they're going to be able to compete with that offense. Um, another thing that Nick Baumgartner of The Athletic keeps bringing up, A, Ryan Day and Justin Fields haven't been in a tight game before. I think Michigan is the best, has the best shot to do that, and it's going to be on the road. B, the thing that made Urban Meyer Urban Meyer every single time he made the right call. Every time he was in a pinch, every single time, at least against Michigan, will Ryan Day have that ability facing down a tight game in Ann Arbor where you're 14-0, but Ohio State does not have a forgiving fan base in the slightest. And they have gotten used to beating Michigan. I, I don't know. I... It's going to take some weird shit for Michigan to win, but I don't think it's impossible. Okay, so I think you're right. I don't think it's impossible. Um, I think uh, I think if you're an Ohio State fan, this is probably the most nervous you've got to be from the last few years. Um, it, you yeah, know what it reminds me of? It feels like it. It reminds me what, of. What does it remind you of? It reminds me of the Michigan Michigan State game, where it kind of feels like a lose lose for Ohio State. You know, if you win, yeah, you're the number one team in the country. You've beaten Michigan, however many times in a row, you're expected to. But if you lose, you might go to the playoff, and and you might win the Big Ten. You might go to the playoff. But man, I mean, you know that would eat them, eat the fans inside. Even if they go to the you playoff, think they'd still the get the playoff huh? See, I don't. I wouldn't be convinced that they'd get the playoff. I have had several Ohio State fans say to me, "You like referring to this game as the only game that matters." I yeah, think but, they, but I think that's the correct way to take it because I honestly don't think that if they lose this, they would get to the playoff. So I think that's oh, the playoff really? is on the line. Oh, I think yeah. no, I disagree completely. Um, I think I think if you beat. I think you have to blow out whoever you're playing in the Big Ten championship game next week. Uh, but with how dominant I'm, – I'm just saying Michigan is one of the top six or seven hottest teams in the country. I don't think they yeah. deserve to be in that top six or seven in the rankings. However, since the Penn State game, which they unfortunately lost on a tight – tight thing they have been incredibly hot it would be a road loss to an incredibly hot top 10 team um and if you still smoke whoever in the big 10 championship i mean they haven't they haven't had a game within single digits jeremy like i 
Yeah, I think the I think their problem would be that if they smoke Wisconsin, it's the second time they've smoked them. That's and I true. think that that'll be that'll be the killer, and we'll end up with you know like an LSU, uh, Clemson, Alabama Bama slash Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> yep, yep, all three. You know, because Georgia beats LSU, but LSU stays in, and yeah, I don't know. I guess I just wouldn't say that I'd be convinced that they're going to go. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they go, but I still think they have, they will play as if the playoff is on the line because you can't really feel like it's guaranteed. No, um, I think so too. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you guys have a shot too. Um, I think it'll be, it'll be very important to get off to a good start, especially knowing how the second half just completely fell apart for Michigan last year. Uh, if Ohio State comes out and has a hot start, uh, that could be problematic to uh, to settling into the game a little bit. Uh, you know, I I think Shea has looked great, but I'm gonna love to see um, how Shea performs against you know a defense of this quality. Yeah, I I think this is the second most interesting. Penn State, or not Penn State, Jesus Christ, Ohio State-Michigan games since Harbaugh's been here. I think, number one, you have to give to that 2016 classic where it's two versus three in Columbus. You know the winner goes to the playoff, whatever. Um, But this one, I mean, we've never seen – we have never seen Michigan peak like this right before the Ohio State game. We haven't. I mean, not since I've been watching college football. So it's really interesting with Ohio State probably being the most impressive team in football so far this year and Michigan peaking like they are right now. I can't wait to see what happens tomorrow. And um, if we lose, I'm on the Juwan Howard hype train, baby. <laughs> yeah, hopefully if you lose, it doesn't really become a thing where like, – where, uh... You lose to Ohio State and you lose to a bad Florida team in a bowl game again, right? So can we avoid that? Man, if we lose, we're playing like either USC or, uh, you know, a lot of projections have us in the Gator Bowl, which only because we have we've played in the Citrus and Outback recently, so that just kind of push us uh, pushes us into the Gator Bowl, and we'd be playing either like Mississippi State or Tennessee. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a situation where if you win, and I've been talking a lot about bowl projections on Twitter this week and even the week before. If you win, I think you're looking a New Year's Six Bowl dead in the eyes because you're 10 and 2. For sure. And I think my my theory is that if Minnesota wins on Saturday against Wisconsin – they're going to get that Rose Bowl bid because the Rose Bowl knows that Minnesota fans know they might not get this chance again, so they're going to buy a bunch of tickets. But if it's, if it's Wisconsin that wins a Big Ten West and Michigan goes 10-2, and two, I think they take Michigan solely because it's been 13 years since Michigan's gone, and they know they're going to make an actual buttload of money if they pick Michigan. So, I mean, if you win, you're looking at a potential Rose Bowl bid, probably at the worst, a Cotton Bowl bid to play Memphis. If you lose, you might be playing Tennessee. So, I mean, I I know that 
all they want to do is beat Ohio State because of what they've done to us over the past 20 years. But that's a little bit of added incentive, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I like the one where you guys play Memphis because that could be awesome. Oh, that so, would be amazing. Yeah, I love bowl games. I love bowl games, and I know a lot of Michigan fans do not want the group of five team because the group of five team usually has a pretty good track record. Um, but, man, I, with the way the Memphis team looks and the way Michigan's off- offense is operating, how fun would that be? Um, but, yeah, let, let's just get to Big Ten against the spread because there's not a ton to say about this that anybody's hasn't heard already this week. This is in the national spotlight. This is the game that people talk about 365 days a year. Let's just get to our Big Ten against the spread, which would start with Iowa-Nebraska, but they played today. I would have picked it correctly, and you wouldn't have. We're not going to give me the point. I just want to bring that up on the air. 100%. Yep. Which brings us to Ohio State at Michigan. Ohio State is a nine-and-a-half point favorite. Jeremy, I'll let you pick first. Nine and a half, that's a lot of points as a road team. Um, wasn't super impressed with them against Penn State. I know they gifted Penn State basically, uh, you know, any way you want to look at it, either all 17 of their points or at least 10 of them. Um, but, yeah, that's a lot. I, I think I'm going to take Michigan to cover. Um, I wouldn't pick Michigan straight up, but I don't. 10 points is a lot against this Michigan team and how they're playing right now. Uh, like you said, Justin Fields had a great season so far, but I don't think he's ever been tested the way we're going to see him tested this weekend. Um, and, yeah, it's not Urban Meyer. It's Ryan Day. So until Ryan Day does it in this rivalry, uh, I don't think he's going to have the same mojo. So uh, I think Michigan keeps it closer than the nine and a half. I'm taking Michigan to cover. Attaboy. You and, should. Uh, You're confident? You should. And uh, I'm taking Michigan to win. This feels so stupid. I said at the yeah, beginning of the year that. I wouldn't do this. I was going to stop you, but I figured, you know what? He's going for it. He's uh, just going to go for it. Oh, uh, it kills me because I said I wasn't going to do this again. But, like, <laughs> god damn it. I'm not, I'm not, I am not someone who's here for narratives. If you think Jim Harbaugh should be fired for losing this game, fuck off. That should not happen. However, man, they have been peaking and it's at home. Michigan has not lost at home since two years ago when they had to play Ohio state, Michigan hasn't lost at home with their starting quarterback since trouble with the snap. I am taking Michigan to win this game, and I am going to be so hurt at 4 p.m. tomorrow. However, we're a basketball school anyway. So the next game is Northwestern at Illinois. Um, Illinois is a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, and I am taking Illinois to cover. Yeah, give me the same. This Northwestern team is so bad. They, they are, are atrocious. They are awful. If, 
if they didn't have a coach who did probably something that we never would have expected at Northwestern, he would have to be on the hot seat just because, A, he seems like a just awful personality to be around. And then you throw in this result of a season, but they have been so bad. They were in the Big Ten Championship game last season, and I never could have guessed that. Yeah, I know. It is it is insane. And um, they are really bad. I don't know how they got this bad this quickly. Just remember, everybody, Pat Fitzgerald, top 25 coach in all of college football, according to Stuart Mandel. So. As a Medill grad. Yeah. Um, let, let, let's get to the bucket game, because I think this is one of the most fun rivalry games in the Big Ten. Because um, these schools, the, the big dogs see them as small and almost see it as, as a guaranteed win every time you play against them. But Indiana and Purdue hate each other. This is a this is a Michigan Michigan State level of hate that these schools have for each other. And I I, I love this game every year. And Indiana is at Purdue this year. It's a, they're a seven point road favorite. Uh, and as much as I side with Purdue on this line of thinking, um, they're just too injured as they have been all year. I know Jeff Brom has been good against Indiana, but I'm giving the Hoosiers an odd. I think they're just too good of a football team to not win by multiple scores. Yeah, it'll be interesting for me. I think Purdue's, you know, this is going to be their season. Uh, their, you know, a chance to put a good bow on a, a pretty rough year. Um, Indiana, it felt like the Michigan game was kind of their season and they had some injuries and it didn't go well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they come out. I'll actually take Purdue to cover uh, and keep it close. I don't know if I would – again, I don't know if I have the guts to take them to win. But uh, I think Indiana uh, is just a little bit beat up, too, coming off that Michigan game. Um, and uh, Purdue Purdue comes out and just doesn't leave anything else out on the table and keeps it close. All right. I You know, I respect the hell out of that pick because I, I really do hope Purdue keeps it close, whether they win or not. Um, to be honest, I'm kind of rooting for nine Indiana. I uh, really hope they can get this win in a bowl win just because it'd be funny. Um, so now that brings us to the college game day game of the week, Wisconsin at Minnesota. Wisconsin, a yeah. three-point road favorite. You, you go ahead and pick this one first. I think this is our biggest toss-up of the week. I don't really understand how Wisconsin's a favorite. If they're a three-point road favorite, they're essentially saying that they are really a six-point favorite on a neutral field, right? Or a four-and-a-half. Yeah, I think that's I don't how. Know, man, that seems – that's crazy to me. Um, I, I know – I mean, Minnesota blew this Wisconsin team out last year. Uh, I know this Wisconsin team is better, but and Minnesota's not exactly sneaking up on anyone this year. Uh, but I'm going to take the Gophers. I think uh, it's a little bit of my heart. I really want B.J. Fleck uh, in the championship game and and them having a shot at probably worst-case scenario, maybe a Rose Bowl bid. Um, so it might be a little bit of my heart there, not wanting to see an, uh, see an Ohio State-Wisconsin rematch. Uh, but, yeah, I'll take the Gophers uh, with game day on campus. Just going to be the biggest atmosphere. Uh, give me the uh, Gophers to pull it off. Roll the boat. I'm taking them. <laughs> I, I am yeah. taking Minnesota here. Uh, I just think 
P.J. Fleck reminds me of Tom Herman, not in the fact that he's a monumental asshole, but I think he gets his team really motivated for the big game. And do not think you don't do not think he forgot about the Wisconsin Western Michigan Cotton Bowl a couple of years ago in his last game as Western Michigan coach. Um, not that that plays too big of a factor. I just think that PJ Fleck has brought this Minnesota team so far. I cannot see them losing on Saturday. I really think they're destined to go to the Big Ten championship game and then the Rose Bowl. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, that brings us to Rutgers Penn State. Uh, Penn State is a 40 and a half point favorite, and I think they're going to cover it easily. So, so yeah. I'm just going to go the way of the Fire Festival and just say, let's just be legend. Give me Rutgers. Oh, my they're God. Playing, they're playing to get Greg Schiano. You know, he turned them down. They're going after him like a jilted lover. Uh, and they play their best game of the year and lose by 38. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm just going to be right. I don't think Penn State is good. And so 40 and a half is a lot of points. Yeah, but they're playing rugby. You know, we're not spending more than a minute on this game because it doesn't deserve it. Maryland at MSU. MSU is a 21 and a half point favorite. I'll let you go first because it's your team. But I'm pretty sure we both uh, have the same this game. I have no reason to believe that this will actually happen, but it worked last week. Uh, I'm going to take MSU to cover a big line. I just think the Maryland quit is going to be very strong, uh, and it just causes uh, a blowout for MSU's favor. What do you mean you have no reason to think it will actually happen? If anything, well, I mean, you, have, you have more reason this week. Out a Rutgers line. You have more reason <laughs> this week to believe in it than you did last week because last week they proved That's it could happen. I, yeah, That's true. MSU is going to cover this spread, and it's probably going to be some stupid shard of a game at 28 to 0. Oh, it's going to be hideous. But, you know, but I, I have MSU to cover, and I don't, I don't think it'll be super nerve wracking for you guys. Um, and that's it. Uh, we were trying this thing kind of to emulate the shutdown full cast where we end on a joke. So I figured we can just talk about the Ole Miss Mississippi state game from last night and wait till we find one. Uh, I'm sorry. You mean old piss? <laughs> I was going to say that the joke we could end on is the joke, but you know, I like you too much to say the joke is Brendan has hope, uh, but we're not going to end on that. Can we talk about the fact that twice now this season, ADs or conferences have come out with letters saying, let's try and keep the rivalry tame. Let's take, you know, let's not be bad. Uh, obviously it happened in Michigan, Michigan State Week. And he has a Tanishuk brother being an asshole. And now you have the same guy who doesn't know how a fair catch works doing an OBJ slash DK Metcalf celebration. <laughs> and you, we all knew he was missing the extra point as soon as that happened, right? Like, we all just knew. Oh, my God. I was hoping for it, but I didn't actually think it would happen. <laughs> See, I, was, I, I knew it was going to happen, and I was doubly mad because I had over 58 and a half points, and I'm sitting there like, well, you know, if we go to overtime, maybe we can get some crazy points going on. And as soon as he did that celebration, I was like, he just literally pissed away my money. I, I had Mississippi State minus one. I got the push. 
But I was way more likely to win if it went to overtime, and I was so happy that it happened that way. That is the uh, ending to any college football game ever. It, ever. I, the only more like crazy ending that I've ever seen is trouble with the snap, and I think we all know how I feel about that. <laughs> 